Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. It's one of my favorite times of the year because they bring speakers in from everywhere. And Janice and I, we're so honored to be a part of that. We flew in from St. Cloud this morning. (laughs) We're talking about revival. And revival, just simplified, is renewal. It's how can we renew the things in our lives that have dried up and many of them are dead. So today I want to give you some life laws for renewal. We've talked about revival now for four or five weeks. So I want to give you some practical principles that you can apply in your life to understand and receive renewal in your life. What comes to your mind, if I could ask you this question, when you think about winning? How many of you want to be a winner in life? What do the rest of you want to do? (laughs) I want to be a winner in life. So what does being a winner mean? I think, first of all, it means provision in in multiple different areas of your life. And if you think about the word provision, it's actually two words. Pro means in favor of, and vision means the capacity by faith to see that which is to come. I don't want to be satisfied to sit in one place and believe I'm winning. No runner ever stood at the gate and refused to move and felt he was winning. You have to get out of the gate. You have to move forward. I think winning has to do with affluence. I think it has to do with success, with a good life. It has to do with contentment and well-being and influence and plenty in your life, not lack in your life and completeness in your life. To me, all of these are pro-vision. I'm in favor of having the capacity to supernaturally, by faith, see what God has for me in my life. In the face of God's word, I don't see how we could do anything less. Genesis 1, 28, God said to Adam and Eve in the garden, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Adam You are the federal head of the human race. I'm going to make you the progenitor of every man, woman, boy, and girl that will ever live on the face of this earth. And through the seed of your loins, you and Eve are going to spawn a race of people that are going to be in my image and my likeness and have my nature, which is a God-pleasing nature. Does that sound like lack to you? In Psalms 8 and 6, he said, you have made him, speaking of man, to have dominion over all the works of thy hands. How many of his works? 
all of his works. Does that sound like lack to you? So we were made for dominion. Young folks, which at my age, anybody down there qualifies. <laughs> you were made for dominion. God created you to rule. He created you to reign in his kingdom. So in the face of God's word, we were never meant to merely exist. Some people today are exhausted from existing. God never said that stationary would be an option in the life of his sons and daughters. You see, your place of contentment can become your house of confinement. And you're unable to move beyond where you are, no matter how desperately you want to. God's given you the capacity. He's given you the mandate and the dominion to rule. But so many are trapped and they are prisoners in that house of confinement. Over the years, I've studied the Rockefeller family. And one of them, David, that went into banking and became a banker said it, if necessity is the mother of invention, then discontent is the father of progress. You must become discontented with where you are now in order to have renewal and have revival in your life. Desire alone won't get you there. But discontent will help you to focus. You must desire above all other things increase in your life. You must desire to move from that house of confinement where you've been living into the dominion and the rulership and the kingship and the lordship of Jesus Christ. You must learn that you were created for a time such as this in God's kingdom to rule and reign in his kingdom. But also, you need to rule and reign in other areas of your life. Not just financial matters, but in relationships. You can't live in a house of containment in your relationships. Get off the media and go meet some people. Quit living online. And start living life where you touch people and minister to people and love people. Jesus said if they're sick, lay your hands on them. You need to get out there where the people are. Get your relationships in line. Get your health in line. When you don't get your health in line, you pay a great price. Get your mind in line with the Word of God. Get your thinking in that channel where God's power flows. When you're having power thoughts, when you're thinking power concepts that are backed up by the power of God, those things have the capacity to become a reality in your life. Change the way you see and think about your business and your vocation. You must desire 
to develop habits for proper increase in all these areas of your life. So what does that mean, Pastor? It means lifestyle thinking. Don't just change the way you think for a day or a month. Lifestyle thinking. You have to change the way you think. Lifestyle relationships. Don't meet people and just get plugged into them and say they're nice people. No, bond with them. Many of them will become covenant relationships in your life. Lifestyle relationships, lifestyle health. I haven't made that a priority of my life, and I should have. It needs to be lifestyle generosity. You don't give once and feel good about it. It becomes a way of life. Now I want to give you five quick principles. These are life laws for renewal. Number one, you become your dominant image. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So what does that mean? It means you are what you think. There are other ways to look at that verse, but I like this way. You are what you think. Genesis 30 talks about Jacob when he fell in love with Rachel and his father-in-law-to-be, Laban, was a deceitful man. And so he made a deal with Jacob because he saw the anointing of God on his life. He made a deal with him to have Rachel. He was going to work seven years for his uncle. Then after seven years on the night of his wedding, when the bride entered into the tent, it wasn't Rachel at all. It was Leah, the older sister. And Jacob fooled him because the anointing was on his life and everything Jacob touched was multiplying and multiplying. And so after that, Jacob, Laban said, if you'll work seven more years, I'll give you Rachel. He wound up being deceived and working for 20 years. So Jacob was a man of power and insight. And God gave him this little creative idea. He said, he's going to let you take some of what you build for him with you when you leave. So in verse 37 of Genesis 30, Jacob took rods of green poplar and of hazel and chestnut, and he peeled white streaks in them. Verse 38, and he placed them beside the place, the watering hole, where all the flocks and the herds would drink and also mate. Amen. 39. So the flocks mated before the white speckled rods. Would you believe it? And their offspring were speckled and spotted. And Jacob had made the agreement, everything that speckled and spotted is mine. You see, this is why you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the
the most delusional people and the most insincere people and the most dishonest people in the world can never take advantage of someone walking in the Spirit. So you become your dominant image. What did Jacob knew? He knew a spiritual principle. Whatever you look at, you're going to become. Whoever you hang around, just take a snapshot of how they look. You'll look that way in 10 years. Whatever they think, whatever they say, however they respond, however they act, that's what you will become. If you let your child go down and play with little Johnny down the street, take a snapshot of little Johnny because that's what your son will look like 10 years from now. You become your dominant image. Whatever you put yourself around and whatever and whoever you involve yourself with is what you become. What is your dominant image of yourself? How do you see yourself? I know how I see myself. I see myself in the spirit. When I was praying about this this morning, I was thinking about my wife because I always like to tell her she's beautiful. And you know something? I have never told her in 52 years that she was beautiful, that she didn't say, oh, it's not me. It's the spirit of God in me that people are attracted to. Never one time has she ever went, thank you. You see, the dominant image of her life is the God that lives within her. You're beautiful when the dominant image in your life is Jesus. And when people look at you, they see him. And you're beautiful. Even you dudes, you're beautiful when Jesus is in you. And I say that in a sweet, nice way. The dominant image of your life, your personality, what is it? What is the dominant image of your business? How do you view your business and view yourself in that business? What is the dominant image of how you think? What do you think about yourself? What is the dominant image, as we said, of your health and of relationships? Whatever image you have is exactly what you're going to gravitate to. You know who's sharp? people gravitate to? Sharp people. You know who people who have a lot of loss in their life gravitate to? People that have a lot of loss in their life. You know who gossips gravitate to? You can't have two competing images. Well, but I love God more. I'm sorry. You can't have two competing images, two competing thoughts at the same time because one thought always must dominate. If you have an I am not worth much image of yourself, you will not be worth much to yourself, to your spouse, to your family, to your boss, or to anyone else. I'm not worth much. You got that right. 
because you will not be worth much to everybody in your life. If you have the I'm not worth much mindset and you're trying to have this competing thought and say, but I'm a Christian and I love God, that's double-mindedness. And James 1 and 8 says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not such a man think that he will receive anything of the Lord because he is double-minded in all of his ways. So what image do you have? What is the dominant image that you have of yourself? Some of you believe you're not enough. Some of you believe you'll not ever be enough. But you see, the greatest wars are fought in the Christian's life in the mind. This is where all the great battles are won or lost. They're won in the way we think and in our mind. Can I just say this to you, that the only difference between a rut and a grave is time. You have a chance, an opportunity to be renewed. You have a chance to change. You have a chance for revival in your life. Don't die with destiny left in your tank. The second life law, the first one you become your dominant image, the second one is your future is awaiting the burial of your past. Two kinds of memories we have, good memories and bad memories. Both can destroy your future. Philippians 3 and 13 said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before me, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The word press is the Greek word dioko. It means to strike with repeated acts of enmity. You fight as a warrior to put your past behind you and put your future that God has for you in front of you. Isaiah 43 and 18 says, Remember no more the former things, nor consider the things of old. Bury your past, whether they be good thoughts or bad thoughts. You can hold on to good things and think about them, but don't camp out there. Don't live there. Don't make your address there. We live here around Disney, and Walt Disney, one of the great visionaries that has ever lived in this world, said, I don't like to repeat success. I like to go on to bigger and better things. What is he saying? I don't like to look at all my successes in the background of where I came from. If I get my eyes focused on all my successes behind me, I'm not going to have a future before me. It's tough to move forward when you're constantly looking back. You know, so many Christians are like driving a car. They're trying to have faith to go in a new direction. 
but they just can't get the rear view mirror out of their eye. They're trying to drive to a new destination and all they can do is look at their past. Lot's wife was warned by God in a theophany, which is a temporary representation of Christ in an angelic form. And in this theophany, the angel Jesus said, forget your past. I'm moving you to something new. Don't look back. And in spite of God himself telling her to not look in the rearview mirror, as they were driving along, she looked up into the rearview mirror and became fossilized. Don't be tempted to live in the past because you will be fossilized if you do so. Anybody here? Getting anything out of this? There was a man that climbed Mount Everest, and he did it without a, a artificial oxygen. And the higher he went, the more things he took out of his knapsack. And finally, he got to a place where there were only a couple of items left in there. One was his toothbrush. And he cut or broke the handle off of his toothbrush and threw it away. There are some things you just can't take with you to the top of the mountain. Which means if you're going there and you're leaving the past and you're moving into the, your future, you're going to have to leave some things and some people behind. The third thing, you become your dominant image. Your future is always awaiting the burial of your past. Number three, you cannot change what you consistently tolerate. Deuteronomy 30 and 19 says, I have set before you life and death. Choose life. Death's behind you. Life is before you. Isn't it amazing that God gave us the dominant thought and then gave us the answer? Said, I've said before you, life and death. Life is in front of you. Death is behind you. Choose life. You cannot change what you continually tolerate. I hate being broke then don't tolerate it anymore. I'm sick of being overweight. Me too. I have in the last two years lost 80 pounds though. I don't like my bad attitude. Then don't tolerate. I don't like my temper. Then be renewed. Don't tolerate it. I don't like my bad spending habits. 
then don't tolerate it. Let me tell you what I think. Can I do that? I'm going to do it whether you say that or not. <laughs> Here's what I think. I think if you didn't like it, you wouldn't tolerate it. So every time you say or think, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like... If you didn't like it, you wouldn't tolerate it. You know what word you can extrapolate out from tolerate? Negotiate. Navigate. When you're tolerating something, negotiate that thing within yourself. And then navigate yourself around that thing you want to change. Because the Holy Spirit will help you navigate around it. When we tolerate things in our life, we then need to navigate around those things without making excuses for the way we are. Well, I'm just, just the way I am, the Smith family, we've always dealt with this. Don't tolerate it anymore. Navigate around it. Decide right now that you're going to bring about renewal in the areas that you've been tolerating. The next time you get ready to pick up a cigarette, navigate. The next time you get ready to take a drink that you don't need, navigate. The next time you get into a bad attitude, navigate. The next time you lose your temper, navigate. Get the point? Indecision is an insult to renewal. It's an insult to progress, and it is an insult to increase. Well, I just can't give this up. Renewal, progress, and increase are not hindered by what you can't give up. They are hindered by what you won't give up. When people stop tolerating the laziness of sitting in front of a box 10 hours a day and stop tolerating the bad habits that go with that and the bad choices, renewal will happen. Thank you. You have a choice. I don't know if you can tell it, but this is the more meek, mild version of me. <laughs> See, I, in the spirit, I'm running around kicking my foot up in the air. But it doesn't work in reality. <laughs> Listen, change is not change until something changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Renewal is not renewal until something changes is renewed. You need in revival days to get a new address. Don't live at the same address where you've been living. Number four. Number one, you become the dominant image. Number two, your future is awaiting the burial of your past. Number three, you cannot change what you consistently tolerate. Number four, money is a stream and not a pool. 
Some people view money like a pool. Water in a pool is stagnant. Some of you, your finances has been stagnant for years. It doesn't move. There's no inlet or outlet to your finances. How do you view it today? How do you look at money? Do you hoard it? Do you spend it? Do you multiply it? Do you increase it? Do you use it or does it use you? Jesus told the rich young farmer that said, I know what I'll do. I've got so much bounty that my barns aren't big enough to hold it. I'll just pull down my barns and build bigger ones and I'll say to my soul, so thou hast laid up much goods for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool, this night your soul shall be required of you and then who shall all of these things that you've acquired be? Because God was telling him, you don't need bigger barns. You know, you know it. You need bigger faith. You know what he was saying? You want to hoard. You want to build odd. No, you got no flow in your finance. You're a, you've got a pool. You want to create and dig out the size of your pool. You don't have a stream. It doesn't have an inlet and an outlet. I flow it in. Your job is to flow it out to all who need it. To all of my causes, everything I've called you to be a part of in my kingdom. Wow. Second Timothy 6 and 10 says the love of money is the root of all evil. When you love money and you begin to pool money instead of letting it be a stream with an inlet and an outlet, that's an evil thing. But Matthew 22, 22 says, Render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things which are God's. You can use your money in this natural world properly, and you can also use that same money in the spiritual kingdom properly. If you're saving your money for a rainy day, good luck. You need to buy an umbrella. Because that's the way you view money. But when you say money in my life is a stream because of the power of the Holy Spirit, God flows it in and he flows it out and shows me how to use it. And it will never cease to flow. Even when I am old, there will be plenty there. Doesn't say disregard wisdom, but it says get your thinking right toward money. You ever hear that old saying that people change when they get money? Don't you love the scene in Blink? No, you don't change. Just everything you are gets amplified. Just gets amplified. 
Are we okay? I'm just skipping a whole lot of stuff. Number five, here's your last life law. Okay, you become your dominant image. Your future is awaiting the barrel of your past. You cannot change what you consistently tolerate. Money is a stream, not a pool. Number five, if you miss an opportunity, we're talking about renewal here. Somebody else gets it. The opportunity that you miss becomes the property of someone else. Now, I don't like this thing where people have this feeling of privilege where that belongs to me, that belongs to me, that belongs to me. That. I don't buy into that because it is not biblical. But when you miss an opportunity, and if you're a person that's missed opportunities because you're living in a confinement, a house of confinement, all of these opportunities have become someone else's. So in that respect, biblically, someone else is driving your car. Someone else is wearing your shoes. Someone else is sleeping in your bed. And someone else is living in your house. Because when you miss opportunities because you live in the house of confinement, those opportunities become someone else's. When I played in the Vikings years ago, the band, Bama Wildfire, we recorded with Capitol Records. And there was a, another record label called Decca. Nobody's ever heard of it. Here's why they haven't heard of it. But it was equivalent to Capitol Records at that time. The CEO of DECA said, bands with guitars are no longer fashionable. And six months later, the Beatles came on the scene. Boy, that was a missed opportunity. Someone else got it. When Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, he was laughed at by everyone, and people said it's the most stupid contraption anybody ever invented. Until AT&T stepped up and said, we'll give you $100,000 for it. And they're a multi-billion dollar company. Every day we face opportunity and they're brilliantly disguised as something other than what they appear to be. They don't look like opportunity. Sometimes they look like people. Sometimes they look small. But what do you see by faith? Jesus said, the smallest of all the seeds can grow one of the greatest trees. Do you see an acorn? Or do you see the tree that the acorn will produce? Or do you see the forest that all the trees will? Do you see a spark 
or do you see an inferno? When you look into the eyes of your children, do you see a baby or do you see a world changer? Can I just say this? I love you very much. And I want to say this to every one of you. You are opportunity. But only you can knock on the door of destiny. What do you need to be doing during revival days? Prepare yourself to recognize opportunity. Develop the strengths that God has put in your personality. When opportunity is detected and you perceive it to be close, pursue it, seize it, take dominion and authority over it. And I want to end with one of my favorite stories. Would you indulge me? I love Gene Altry. You don't know who he is. But he was a singing cowboy. And he recorded a record in 1948, one year after I was born in 47. And they lacked four songs to complete the album. So he sent out feelers and a young New York writer sent a song in. He did all four. And then when they got ready to go to press with the record, he cut one of the songs and said, it is silly and it is totally unprofessional. He didn't see the opportunity. His wife, thank God for our wives. <laughs> They're the only sense in our whole family. She sneaked around behind her husband's back. Okay to do it when they're an idiot. <laughs> and told the producer, don't drop that song from the record. When it's released, if there's any heat, I'll take the heat. That Christmas, they singled one song off the project, and it became a two and one half million seller. And it was the song he dropped from the album. To date, that song has sold over 100 million copies and built a movie and sound empire in recording. And it was called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.